Welcome back to the MLS Net Boys Podcast. I am your host, Chase, here with my good friend, Jacob. How are you doing today? I'm doing excellent. I got to watch lots of MLS this weekend. Got to watch my team lose this weekend. It was a good time. It's sad that you almost become accustomed to it as a Timbers fan from time to time. Any Timbers game you watch before July, I don't expect much. The worst part about Timbers games, I feel like, is... uh, it's never like a sure thing. Like it's you're on the edge of your seat until the very end of the game. There's never like a sure result where you're like, oh yeah, we got this wrapped up for like the last twenty minutes. You can just enjoy it. Any win, it's just crippling anxiety closing out the last thirty five minutes. And even any loss, it's that hope that they give you that just crushes you in the end. But we're gonna talk about last week's games, a couple of our predictions we did, and then our predictions for the end-of-season awards, like Defender of the Year, MVP, um, Newcomer of the Year, all those things. So, Let's just jump right into it. Let's, uh, what was our first game we did our predictions of? We had Atlanta versus Toronto. We both had high hopes for this game, and it was there was a great goal in it, but other than that, not a great game overall. Yeah, I watched this one. I was bouncing around on the 360 show and then on games, but this is one of the games I watched the most of. And Atlanta really had the brunt of possession. They were really killing Toronto in that aspect. Andrew Gutman was really going forward, and he was an exciting player. Sean Johnson was forced into a lot of key saves, but Toronto goes up 1-0. Bernadeschi with a great goal, and then Atlanta gets one back. But I think Atlanta definitely going to be hoping – or disappointed that they didn't get three points. I know their new striker, Jumakis, scored, and it was disallowed. So I think a lot of fans are not happy with not getting three points there. Yeah, I think it was a good sign of how these two teams, how their season is going to go. Toronto really needs to lay everything on Bernadeschi and hope that he can pull some goals out like that going forward. And then Atlanta, they just look dominant. I mean, the stats show it. they had 16 shots versus Toronto's four shots. They had six on target versus Toronto's three, 67% possession. They were just dominant throughout the game. And, uh, you know, like you said, it was great to see uh, Sean John finally make a save, you know, versus the first week. It it looked like he wasn't going to be making very many in a Toronto jersey. Yeah, I think that's one positive Toronto can take out of this. Sean Johnson looked up for it. Moving on, though, let's we briefly touched on it, but LAFC three, Portland two, we got a nice two-and-a-half-hour LAFC preview before the game on Apple TV. What the heck was that, man? I was sitting there waiting, had the, the Apple TV subscription pat, like, you know, pulled up and everything, and just waiting for the, the thing to start, and all I see is just LAFC highlights against the Timbers. No Timbers highlights at all. And did you know Kellen Acosta is actually the most fashionable player in MLS? I could care less. I could care less about that. Yeah, definitely. You know what? It was their first game back. They were champions. We'll give them their flowers this time. But I hope I hope in the future all broadcasts, including LAFC, completely just don't neglect the other squad. But moving on to the game, honestly, LAFC deserved winners. They deserve all the credit. But Portland just shot themselves in the foot over and over and over again. Three just terrible mistakes in the back. Set pieces is our Achilles heel once again. We finally get some momentum in the second half after we make a bunch of subs, but too little too late. What do you think about this result? As a Timbers fan, I'm really disappointed, but like you said, LAFC definitely deserved it. They uh, they kind of destroyed us on set pieces. 
they they were the dominant team overall until we finally switched up our formation and brought in our power player and Larice Mabiala. Um, but you know, I think it was more so the the formation change when we run a three in the back and we allow more guys to run through the midfield and we get two people up top. We look a lot stronger. It's just that we only have three center backs on the roster right now, so we can't afford to run that formation. Yeah, forty six year old. Chiellini getting his first MLS goal as well. That guy's nose does not quit. It's like it's still growing. I don't know what the heck is going on with his face. Anyway, moving on. Columbus to DC. <laughs> oh, man. Way to go, Columbus. Lucas Zellerone show, dude. That guy is still just pulling it out of the bag. Cucho who? Lucas Zellerone show, man. Yeah, this is another one I caught. I tuned in right as Zellerone scored his first goal. Looks like he's starting out in great form again. I was going to, you know, we'll talk about it more later, but this was one of the games I feel like last year I kind of forgot about how effective this guy can be. But Zellerone turning up in form, wouldn't be surprised to see him as an MVP candidate. DC perspective, however, I think it's disappointing. They had a great win last weekend, and then this is kind of disappointing. But... I'm excited how both of these teams pan out this season. I agree. I agree. I think it's going to be fun watching both these teams. I uh, want DC to do terribly. I want Wayne Rooney to leave the U.S. in tragic way, just with tears, like a trail of tears behind him. What's with this anti-Rooney? I I don't know, man. I've never been a fan of Rooney, and I just continue to be that way. The Liverpool fandom in you, huh? Speaking of Liverpool... There's a great result a couple days ago that we're not going to talk about because we're going to talk about New England Revolution beating the Houston Dynamo 3-0. A superior game of soccer tactics-wise, just the the intelligence on the field, the way the game was played. You really love to see it. Bobby Wood scores, and that made Gross. me happy. I Altidore, you know, it's not looking good for him, however, but... I think New England, this is a bounce-back year for them. Last year was disappointing, but they had a great first win, another dominant win at home against a Houston team who last week lost but put up a pretty good fight. I think for Houston, though, this is another disappointing result. Zero points from their first two games, although they looked promising in the first one. Definitely maybe waiting for that home opener to get their first victory in the bag. I think that's something we're going to be saying about Houston a lot this year is disappointing loss, but they put up a good fight. I think we're going to continue to say that throughout the season. That's right. Here's a here's a surprising one right here. Inter-Miami beating Philadelphia 2-0. to Philadelphia had that dominant win last week, and everybody was talking about how nobody's going to be able to stop them. Gary Neville, however, sets up the boys in the right way and gets a 2-0 win at home. That's impressive. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to, to catch any of this game, so I was a little disappointed, but I was really surprised when I saw the scoreline checking in on it. Yeah, Miami, two games, two wins, and I don't know. Gary Neville said before the season he expects them to be a top-four club in the East, and so far it's looking good. Moving on, a couple boring ones, a couple nil-nils. New York Red Bulls hosting Nashville. Yeah, this is a boring game. Not much to talk about here, honestly. Two teams that just didn't look great, and it was, I mean, I watched the highlights of it. I wasn't super impressed with what I saw. It was just kind of a a boring game all around. 
Yeah, not mu- not much to talk about there. Um, Venizir, their Belgian striker for New York Red Bulls, made his debut. Wasn't able to get on the score sheet. Another nil-nil, Orlando, Cincinnati. Both me and you were kind of predicting like a, a shootout in this one and an exciting game. Didn't really happen. But each team gets a point. Orlando and Cincinnati both remain unbeaten. I think it's a good, decent draw for Cincinnati anytime you get a point on the road. But I think disappointing for both teams as well. Yeah, this was a game that we both predicted to be pretty exciting. Two really exciting teams that we expect to be really high scoring this year. And then for them to come up against each other and be nil-nil was a little disappointing for a lot of neutral fans, I think. But like you said, it's a good, good pull for Cincinnati to at least get a point on the road. Moving on. Austin beating Montreal 1-0. They left it late. Maxi Arudi in the 88th minute scores the tap-in goal. Gives his team three points. I didn't watch this, but I already know he hit you with that Archer celebration afterwards. I love Maxi Arudi, dude. I wish he stayed in Portland. He's just been a proven scorer at literally every MLS team he's been in, which has been quite a few now. He's bounced around a bit. which The I'm... guy owns Texas, dude. He's played for every Texas team. First man to do that, I believe. But, yeah, I hope this is, like, his permanent home now because it seems like everywhere he goes, he scores a lot of goals, but he's not quite, like, that main guy you need. But definitely one of the best backups I feel like you can have in this league. Austin bounces back after losing at home to St. Louis. And Montreal, another loss. Looks like the Hernan Lasada era isn't hitting the ground running. Yeah, I'm really regretting where I put them in my preseason predictions, but... Let's just move on from that. Chicago Fire hosting New York City. 1-1 draw. Chicago or NYCFC opens up the scoring. Then Fabian Herbers levels it up for Chicago, but they can't get three points. And this was Chicago's first game, actually. They were the odd man out since we have 29 teams last weekend, which kind of sums up the Chicago Fire. They're always forgotten about these days. It's not really much exciting going on down it's there. It's funny but... you said that because when you first brought them up, I was trying to think how their first week went. I was like sitting here thinking, like, who did they play in week one? And then I remembered, it's like, yeah, nobody cares about Chicago. Did you did you catch any of the highlights of this one or no? No, I didn't get a chance to. Those jerseys that you really hated, actually. Because you know how like, some of these jerseys we've been seeing, they, they look terrible like in the the pictures they show, but then when you watch the game, they actually look decent. Uh-huh. That Chicago kit looks pretty clean, actually. They got, like, these teal blue shorts, but... You already liked the Chicago kit when we were looking at it, though. I- I'm so just I- trying to I win would... you over. Nah, not going to happen. That was probably the most exciting thing about this game, though. Moving on, Dallas beating LA Galaxy 3-1. to Jovalich opens up the scoring for the Galaxy, but then... Alan Velasco scores right before halftime, and Jesus Ferreira gets a brace, chases his favorite striker from the World Cup, and Dallas wins 3-1, bounces back from their loss. LA Galaxy, a loss to open up the season. What do you think? Bit of a bummer for Galaxy. Um, I was I'm pretty hyped for them because I, I like that Jovalich is finally getting some time, and he's proven that he's going to score goals, but this team needs to sort out their defense that's exactly when I w- when we were ranking these teams. I what I was nervous about them was was their back line. Raheem Edwards on that first goal kind of got exposed on the on the flank, and then Mabinga Kosser's partnership I'm not convinced on, and then Kevin Leardam. Now that um, Julian Araujo is gone, I don't think he's an adequate player. 
to have up there. There was a huge debut in this game coming on in the 71st minute. Tyler Boyd, former U.S. national team winger Tyler Boyd. Remember that name? I do. A lot of people call him the American Uriel Antuna, which was another L.A. Galaxy player. Just, just, a, just a fast guy who can run up and down the line. That's about that, – that sums it up. You know, I'm not going to elaborate on that. Moving on, this was an exciting one. St. Louis SC opens up their new stadium and beats last year's expansion team, Charlotte FC, 3-1. to one. This one started out pretty interesting. The crowd was really into it. They had a full stadium TIFO that was pretty awesome to watch. Enzo Capetti gets on the board first with a great header with a with a great cross from out wide. And then our boy Bill Tuiloma decided to head one in the back of the net for St. Louis's own first goal at their stadium. And then they scored two more goals. I don't know if you saw, but it was another mistake that St. Louis yeah. capitalized on to get another goal. So they're getting some dodgy goals, but they're just making it happen. What do you think? Yeah, this was a game that we both predicted St. Louis to win. So we didn't predict the scoreline, but we both predicted them to win. Um, definitely a great result for St. Louis. And like I said in last week's episode, I think Bill Tulioma was going to – I thought he was going to struggle with uh, Jao Klaus de Mello, and he definitely did on that own goal. He kind of went up to the ball, and Klaus just kind of like backs into him, gives him a little bit of that – big number nine strongman presence there and then Tulioma just kind of crumples and heads into the net and I don't know if you saw it but you see how like Klaus responds after that own goal goes in he like stood over Tulioma and like screams and like points at him and celebrates right over him as his teammates run around it was like a very humiliating moment for Tulioma I wonder if they were trash talking that all before that or if that was just really unwarranted and he just got into that either way Good win for St. Louis. Moving on to another exciting result and matchup. We had the Rapids from Colorado hosting Sporting Kansas City to a thrilling nil-nil draw. I like how you said the Rapids from Colorado as opposed to the Rapids from I don't know what other place. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I think we both... <laughs> agreed last week when we were looking at games to preview that this was going to be a boring game and it definitely lived up to our expectations yeah and i don't know if you saw there was a bit of a controversy with this one they have a striker man i'm gonna try his name i think it's yappy it's really it's kind of a funny name but he's a young guy a lot of people are really hyped up on he scored a goal that was really close to going over the line a lot of people thought it was in it was early on in the game but didn't get called in and i think it highlights one thing mls is lagging on behind is they don't have gold line technology so little things like that we're just not hey quite but we there. have the target goal post line cameras or whatever they are. i don't know but we have some weird cameras in all the posts that are sponsored by some company i know yeah i've seen that and it's just it's just frustrating i know if i was a colorado fan i would be kind of upset if little things like that just don't go your way but yeah point for each team Kansas City, disappointing. I think a lot of people, I was pretty high on this team coming into the season, coming back into health, but they haven't shown anything yet. Moving on, San Jose 2, Vancouver 1. San Jose gets their first win under Luchi Gonzalez. Jeremy Abobasi gets another goal. Um, yet another header. Another header, and I think 
see, I was never very high on this guy, but I'm starting to change my mind. Vancouver, though, another game where they're up somewhat early and then concede two goals to flip that result around and lose. So disappointing for Vancouver. Two Typical losses. Vancouver. Two losses on the season as we're and as we're gonna talk about. They're going into Champions League next week. But San Jose, I'm excited. How about you? Yeah, I, I loved watching this. Um I love Obobasi and I'm really sad to see him move on from the Timbers and do so well for himself. It's it's weird that we decided to let him go after forcing him to play as a winger for multiple years. And now he's showing what he can do when he plays as a striker. And I, I predicted him to do well this season. And he's definitely shown it in the first two match weeks, scoring two headers already. Um, but like you said, Vancouver, they really need to kind of sort out how to hold on to a lead because they have the talent going forward. They have Brian White up top. They got Gressel like, whipping in those crosses. They have guys that can go forward and, and do the work for them. They just can't seem to hold on to anything. Yeah, and I think... As a Timbers fan, for, for a Bobasi especially, we don't have very many American kind of younger like prospects come through typically. At the time, Nagby was exciting. Um, but there hasn't been many, so especially seeing somebody like that who could be like a prospect we see on the national team leave and stay in the league. At least if you went to Europe, it would have been kind of easier to take in because you wouldn't have to see him just scoring on all these other teams. But I think it's disappointing. Moving on, though, to our last game of the weekend, Chase's favorite team, the Seattle Sounders, with a big two win over Salt Lake. I told you in the preseason predictions that this team was going to be good, and look what they've done now. They've just trashed two crap teams in the first two weeks. See, so far you've been right, and they look very good, and I'm not trying to discount them just because I'm a Timbers fan. But I think this week is going to be a better test because they also did get a longer preseason, I believe, because of their Club World Cup uh, matches, which is credit to them. You know, they earned that for sure. And they definitely earned these two games. They were dominant teams, and they deserve these wins. Colorado, though, looked pretty poor in that first game. And Salt Lake, I'm not really sure what to make of them. And both of these games were at home. They did what they needed to do, got three points at home both times. Jordan Morris looks great to start off the year. I kind of Another thing I predicted was that he was really going to slow down. I was completely wrong, but I think next week, as we're going to talk about when they play FC Cincinnati away, I think that's going to be a really big test to see what to make of this team for this season. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we're both really – really excited for this FC Cincinnati team. So I think it'll be a really good test for Seattle to, to go away and have to play against one of the top teams in the league that a lot of people are touting as the supporter shield winners. So it'll be interesting to see how this game goes. I'm, I mean, it's not a game that we're doing a prediction on this week, but I definitely see this being a game that um, we're definitely going to see some fireworks going to be high scoring, I think. And, Seattle's probably not going to be able to pull the win out. That's right. And now we're going to we're going to do a little bit of predictions here. We've got some Champions League coming up for the first time this season for MLS. So I just want to quickly talk about each one of these matchups. Austin is playing away at this Haitian club called Violette. And I've been hearing that the team has been struggling to get visas and there's been a whole bunch of like customs complications before this game. So we don't actually know if this is going to be played, but 
Austin's debut in the Champions League, they have a good path to make it to the final as well. Philadelphia is playing Alianza. The big one, though, I want to talk about is Tigres are hosting Orlando. And Tigres, one of the best and most historic clubs in Mexico, and they've won it before. They've destroyed a lot of MLS teams before hosting Orlando, who's their debut in the Champions League. So what do you have to say about this matchup? I think it's intriguing. Yeah, I honestly, I haven't followed Tigres super closely, but from what I've seen, I mean, they're kind of on some up and down form recently. They've, you know, kind of been back and forth, couple wins, couple losses, some some ties. But like you said, they're historically just a big club, and they they put together the results to get far in this champion in this, uh, you know, the Champions League. So I I just don't know if Orlando's really ready to make that step to to beat. Uh, a Liga McKees team like this. So it'll be interesting to see how they match up with each other. I'm not not super high on Orlando's odds here, though. Orlando definitely got the most brutal side of this bracket. They got a really tough path for anything. A couple other of these teams in there. Vancouver is playing Real Espana at BC Place. And then rounding off the MLS teams, Alajuense, the Costa Rican club, is playing LAFC. So... We've got Champions League football back. I don't believe you can watch these on Apple TV, though, which is unfortunate. I think they're just on Fox Sports. But let's move on to a couple other matchups in the league for next week. Boy, are we going to do some score predictions for Tigres versus Orlando? Yeah, let's do that. I'm going to go, go I'm going to go. It's an away game here. I think Tigres is going to blow Orlando out of the water. I'm going to go 3-0. You know, you could be totally right. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say one nil Tigres, and then I think Orlando can maybe turn it around at home. First two games of the season, yet to concede a goal for Orlando. I think they've got a solid back line. Janssen is a, I think an underrated center back in this league, Robert Janssen, and I don't know. I think Oscar Perea coaches his teams well. His old FC Dallas teams were really competitive, and I feel like turned up for these sorts of games. So. I'm excited. He's been there before. So I think 1-0, and I'm hoping they can turn it around in the second leg back in Orlando. I really hope Orlando does something in this uh, this competition. I really like this Orlando squad, so I want to see them do well. I just don't think they're going to be quite ready for it. Moving on to uh, another matchup we're looking forward to, Sporting Kansas City hosting LA Galaxy. And if you judge this matchup just based on form from this year, not very exciting, but historically this is a matchup I feel like that usually ends up pretty good games. Kansas City looking to get their first win. It's their home uh, debut for this season. And then LA Galaxy, of course, also looking for a win. What do you see in this matchup that's intriguing? I think LA is going to be ready to bounce back here. Um, I know it's like you said, KC's home opener, so they're definitely going to be ready and they're going to be hyped up to try and get something for their fans. But I think this LA squad is pretty strong, and I think Yovelich is going to be big for them. They have the lineup to be able to do some damage, and I think they have a point to prove because they, they definitely are going to be up there in those top two, top three teams in the West, and I think they're ready to prove it. So I think they're going to come out almost like angry, like ready to like prove themselves this game. See, I... I just disagree. I, I'm just not convinced with that back line. And you think I, Willie Agata is going to pop off for this game, dude? 
I think he was really good last year. He had a great statistical output, and he's been disappointing to start the season. And I can see, I can see SKC just blowing blowing them out of the water here by a wow. few goals. Really? I, what, I, what's I, your score prediction? I think if they can contain Jovalich, other than Ricky Puig, I don't think they have really much threats going forward. I think neutralizing those. I I don't know. I I'm gonna get. I'm gonna predict. You don't think Tyler Boyd is going to just come on in the 65th minute to just light this game up? Bomb up and down that field? No, I think Graham Zuzzi two-foots him and ends his career. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But I, I'm going to say 2-0 SKC wins. I'm going to go the inverse. I'm going to say 2-0 LA wins. You're just trying to spite me. Moving on, I think here's the one I wasn't planning to talk about. But I think me and you both agreed beforehand. This is going to be an exciting matchup. Portland is going to be hosting St. Louis SC. And, yeah, if you would have asked me before the season, I would have said easy blowout for Portland. We weren't convinced at all with St. Louis's roster. St. Louis, though, two wins, six points, tied for the top of the West. I, You know, I was going to say this is a big test for St. Louis, but they already went to Austin, who is a better team. And got three points there. So, what what intrigues you about this one, Chase? All the momentum is with St. Louis, and I'm not super sure Timbers are in a good space to take them on right now. Unfortunately, um, Timbers look like they're kind of all over the place. Evander are supposed to be the new face of our team. He scored a goal in the last game, so hopefully that kind of uplifts his spirits a little bit. But he's looking a little disconnected from the team. The chemistry isn't quite there yet. So we aren't really to really able to use him in our creation quite yet. Nia's Goda just isn't doing much for the team. When we get pinned back and we're looking for our outlets, he's not there. So I don't know. The Timbers aren't looking like they're in a great spot, really. Unless we switch up positions and we go to that three in the back. Uh, but like you said, St. Louis, they look great so far. I mean, I really hope that for whatever reason, one of our center backs doesn't just pass the ball to one of their forwards. If we go three at the back and Mavial's in there, <laughs> you already know something's going to go wrong back there. You already Zhao know Mavial is going to lock up Zhao Klaus de Mello. Zhao Klaus is just going to score and scream right in his face again, just like he did our other former Timber center back. But no, I would love to see for Portland um, – Nathan Fokaga get the start. I'm a I love Nia's Goda. I'm a big fan of his, but he's had a pretty bad start to the season. I think coming off the bench, maybe if we get a penalty giving it to him, it'd be good for him. I don't know. I'm gonna predict I think the party's over, at least this week for St. Louis. I'm impressed with them. I think they'll do good this season. I've I've changed my opinion on them, but I think Portland wins two nil. Two nil to Portland. See, I as much as I'm down on Portland right now, and I'm not saying a lot of great things about them, I kind of agree that I think St. Louis's time in the sun has to come to an end, and I think it's going to happen this week. I don't think it's going to click for them. They've been pretty fortunate to be gifted two goals in both of their first games. Um, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, our defense is pretty shaky. They might gift them a goal, but... I think Portland's going to edge out a win here. I think it's going to be 1-0. We don't look super capable going forward to score goals, and we don't look super capable to be able to <laughs> defend super well either. But St. Louis, as as good as they've looked, I think they're going to come to Portland. They're going to have a hard time finding some goals. 
key aspect here is, especially basing off of this last week, set pieces are going to be big. Portland has, for so many years, been just really shaky. I mean, they have to know this, and I, I can't imagine they're not talking about this in training. And hopefully they shore it up for Portland fans' sake, but I think that's going to be a key aspect. St. Louis has some big bodies. They can definitely exploit Portland on back there. But, yeah, I think I'm picking a Portland win here. I agree. I agree. I think it'll be a good game. I'm going to the game, so I hope it's going to be um, definitely – more goals than just 1-0. What if it gets postponed to a Monday night? Then I probably won't go. Anyways, moving on. That was was that all of last week's games? That was every game. Moving on. I I think it would be good. You might have gone over this in the the beginning of the episode, but we're going to go through a quick rundown of our season award picks. I think it'd be fun to kind of go through go through each category. There's seven total categories. Give a quick little pick of who we think may win this and why we think they'll win and i'll let you do the honors of starting us off let's go let's work our way up to mvp so let's start with young player of the year who do you think will win that yeah and we're doing it now because now we've gotten about two weeks in the season that we were not picking completely blind but we have a little bit of a a basis to judge them on but yeah young player of the year i'm going alan velasco i was impressed with him last season but I feel like he can add another layer to his game, kind of like how Santi Moreno joined Portland in his first year, and he was promising and like a good prospect. But then that next season, last year, he was really, really impressive and really controlled a lot of our games. I think he's got a new dimension to open up for his for his play this season. Yeah, I agree. When I when I saw your picks that you sent to me, Alan Velasco was definitely a guy I had high on my list, but. I'm going to go with Juan Mascara. Classic biased Timbers fan. Hey, man. I saw you, like, loading up there to say that. You were like, your mouth was looked like you are holding all your breath in. <laughs> You're ready to just shun me for being a, a Timbers fan here. But I, I think Juan Mascara is, like, prime for a great season. He's already looked great in these first two games. The guy has just been electric up and down the line. He's, oddly enough, our best attacking player at the moment. But I think he's going to be huge, and a lot of people are starting to finally give him his credit after not really seeing him at all last season, and nobody really – I don't think the rest of the league was really aware of this move. And now people are finally seeing him come in, and maybe it's just the stark difference between him and Van Rankin. You know, people are looking at our right back from last year, and they're like, man, this is like an easy avenue for us to attack. And now we have this guy who's like solid on defense and can just counterattack well. I I think he's going to be prime for it. The only reason I don't see him actually winning this award is that he's a defender, and usually we don't see defenders win awards like this. Yeah, I think you're spot on there. Comeback player of the year, I'm going Jao Paulo, and you can just see just from watching Sounders games without him compared to with him just how important this guy is. He can score, he shores up the back line when needed, he can break up attacks, and he really progresses the ball really strongly um, up to their attacking midfielders, wingers, and then strikers. And that guy has a wicked pass on him, too. I'm just – he's a player I wish Portland would have, like next to Chara. It'd be so impressive to have somebody like that. But, yeah, comeback player of the year, Joe Paulo. Yeah, that was, a, that was a guy I definitely had on my list as well. Um, but for the sake of being different, I'm going to go with Miles Robinson. Guy missed out on the World Cup, missed out on most of last season – 
and he's come back in. And he's looked solid so far. And with this Atlanta team that I think is they've looked really strong in their first two games, and they're going to continue to look strong throughout the season. I think he's going to be really key to that. So I think he could definitely get a shout at that award this year. However, I think with all the media, like how they kind of just like clamor over the Sounders and they just give them so much credit, I, I could definitely see it seeing it being uh, Jao Paulo. I think so. Yeah, Coach of the Year. This is a, this is a tricky one because usually I feel like they give this – there's either one of two reasons they give you this. It's either if you take a bottom feeder club – completely turn them around the next year or if you win a major trophy MLS Cup supporter shield I'm giving it to Pat Noonan for FC Cincinnati I think they will get some sort of trophy this year if not top the east at least I'm really high on this team I think that front line is electric and I think Pat Noonan really it started with him just really turning around this club yeah I agree that was yet again another guy that I had in mind because this Cincinnati team looks great but I went with Oscar Pereja. I think he may have a shout at this award because they won the Open Cup last year, you know, getting their first trophy. And I could definitely see him putting in the work this year and getting another trophy. And I think if he gets another trophy, whether that's Open Cup, whether they make a deep run in CONCACAF, uh, if he makes a deep run in the playoffs, if they're pushing for Supporter Shield, if he's making a push for a trophy or if he wins the Open Cup again, I think they they may just give this award to him because he's done so much for Orlando. That's a good shout. Yeah. Next up, we're on goalkeeper of the year, and I think there's a few obvious ones here. I'm going with one of those obvious ones. I think Petrovic from New England. A lot of people are really high on his stock, and I've seen that Liverpool and Man United are potentially monitoring this guy. No moves or no talks or anything yet happening officially, but it seems to be like he's on a lot of people's radar. He said he wants to go to Europe. The only reason, kind of similarly um, to some of the other picks, I feel like he might not win it just because we don't know if he'll be there the whole season, but he's been really impressive in the preseason, last season, starting this year, and New England with two shutouts already, so that just adds to his numbers. Yeah, I agree. Petrovic, it's kind of crazy that New England had the best goalkeeper in the league, sold him, and then brought in an even better goalkeeper in Petrovic. He's he's been amazing for them. But I actually went with Gaiese from Orlando. I think this guy is amazing. He's fun to watch. And like you already pointed out earlier, Orlando already has two clean sheets on the season. So he's going to just keep stacking those up. I think their defense is strong. And when he's called into action, he makes some amazing saves. Yeah, he's super fun to watch. Yeah, underrated goalkeeper in the league. He's been goalkeeper for Peru for a long time. I've seen him in lots of Copa America, big tournaments. He's got their trust. He's a he's a good player for the league for sure. I, I could see him putting up like a some Steve Clark numbers where he's like ranked number two on like expected goals against like versus saves. And he has like, he should be up there, but nobody talks about him, even though he should be like within that con- like conversation of goalkeeper of the year. Thank you for giving Steve Clark his flowers, finally. That guy gets no respect. But moving on, defender of the year, both opting for some Philly center backs here. See, I was nervous about this because they've got such a good back line. I feel like if the votes could split. But ultimately, I went with, 
the reigning defender of the year, Jacob Blesnes. He's so solid. He's anchored that back line. And then he also is capable, like no other player in this league, of just scoring these crazy goals, bangers from outside of the box from center back. Such a fun player to watch. Yeah, I I had a hard time with this. It definitely seems like this is just a Philly award. Almost like how goalkeeper of the year just seems like it should be like Andre Blake's. But I feel like this is just like a Philly award. Like you went with Glesnis, I went with Jack Elliott. Um like you said though, it's just their whole back line is so solid. I could see it going to either guy, honestly, Glesnis or Jack Elliott. They're both so solid. I think Glesnis for whatever reason, people just tend to focus on him a bit more, even though I think him and Elliot are both just equally as solid. So I could see it going either way this year, honestly. Newcomer of the year. This is an exciting one. We had some intriguing additions to the league. Um, Dante Vinzier, I'm in Bossy. But ultimately, I'm going Stipe Buke from LAFC. And it was my first time watching him, other than highlights, first time watching him play in person. Um, when I was watching my Timbers play against him. And he had just a small cameo, but he was getting by defenders, getting into good positions in the box. Seems like a, a good, exciting player who can just take on defenders. And it was really it was really fun to watch, even though it was against my team. Yeah, he looked good when he came on for L.A. And, I mean, the guy's only 20 years old, so he's still, like, really young. He has a, a big career ahead of him. But... For newcomer of the year, I'm gonna go ahead. I see you winding up there. I'm going with Evander. What a surprise! Typical Timbers fan. The 24 year old Brazilian midfielder. It's crazy. This guy was born in the same year I was. That's nuts to me. Anyways, this guy is. I think as the year goes on, his quality is already shown in these first two games, despite not being able to do a ton for the team. His quality on the ball is really shown, and throughout preseason, it, sh- it was really clear as well. Like When he gets on the ball, defenders are afraid of him. He can escape tight situations. He's clean with the ball. He has that Brazilian flair where he kind of tries these random little like flicks and moves. I think once that chemistry builds and we're able to find him a bit more with the ball and we're able to kind of get him involved in the buildup, maybe we tweak our formation a little bit more, he's definitely going to be in the shout in a shout for you know newcomer of the year people are gonna be looking at him a lot more yeah and i think it's kind of what you said he hasn't shown his true potential but you can just tell the quality as in the ball and yeah i'm excited to see how he gels moving on to the big one though mvp i'm going lucho acosta from cincinnati and we're both really really big on cincinnati's chances for a lot this year i think a full season after last season and after both of their strikers ended up staying, Brandon Vasquez and Brenner. I think, especially if they both stay, I think Lucho Costa will have a really dominant season and rack up lots of assists and lots of goals, which he's definitely shown himself capable of in this league. That was a that's a great shout. I'm gonna go with another Cincinnati man in Brenner. This guy, there's a one caveat to this, and that's if he stays in the league long enough to win this award. If he does leave, you can just pass it on to another FC Cincinnati star, Alvis Powell, coming in at right wing back. Imagine Brenner leaves and they just put Alvis Powell up top and he just finds good form and becomes this great striker. Becomes the next Darren Maddox. Don't you dare put him in the prestige of that man's name. 
But Brenner, I think he's primed for a great season. The guy has improved each year in MLS. Um, last year he ended up putting up 18 goals, 6 assists. He was scoring at a rate. I mean, he was, he was putting up an XG of a goal every other game, essentially. And when you look at his stats, he ranks in, like, the top 4% for non-penalty goals in MLS. So he's he's definitely a guy that's going to be in and about that conversation of top goal scorer, I think. He's going to be up there. And just the way that this team is going to play, I think he's going to um, – I think he's definitely going to be ready to put in a shout for maybe Golden Boot or MVP as well. I think both of those, that whole FC Cincinnati squad is just really exciting. You know, I was thinking about Haney Mukhtar as well. Back-to-back would be really impressive. I don't think that's been done in the league for a very long time. You know, you could pick one of the Philly attackers. I didn't pick Gazdog or something because I feel like he might split the vote. But, yeah, a lot of exciting, I think, players looking in the league. It's been already a surprising start to the season with a lot going on. But... Yeah, we'll come back to these. Maybe check up on them mid-season, see how we're doing, and then definitely at the end of the season when the actual awards come out, we'll we'll review, we'll see what we got wrong, if we got any right. It's MLS. You can never predict too much. It's true. There's going to be some random just like player that's going to pop off and going to be really deserving of an MVP award but not get it because the Supporter Shield player, like random number 10, is going to get it. Yeah, so that's going to wrap up episode four of the MLS Net Boys podcast. Next week, we're going to kind of do the same thing, go through different results from the weekend, predict a couple games, and then we're going to go over every club's worst ever signing and just talk about, give you guys some history about different teams. This is an episode I am so excited for. I love being pessimistic about some MLS occasionally. I love just just crapping on a random MLS player. When, I, when I'm at work, kind of the opposite of you. I love just going on Wikipedia and searching up a random roster. Just go, you search on there, 2012 Colorado Rapids. I like you, how you said, when I'm at work. <laughs> this is what you do when you're at work. <laughs> in, in between, in my, in my free time, you know, here and there. I'll just go on a little bit of a trail, search up an old MLS roster, Kind of go through, look at some random players, see who's bounced around the league, who ended up at Tampa Bay Rowdies. Hey, man, don't get me wrong. I love hyping up some random, you know, like a Breck Shea every now and again. But I also love just focusing on the guys who just went completely wrong, just went down the gutter. Give me give me one preview. Let's let's do a terrible signing or just a terrible ter- MLS player? Terrible signing. Oh, man. I can't think of one off the top of my head. I just have a lot of players that I dislike. Who was that center back? He actually did pretty well for Vancouver, but the center back for Vancouver that was just oh, Kendall Waston. I freaking hate that guy. And he he was actually not great in MLS. He was just a good. He was good for Vancouver, but by MLS standards, he was not good. A lot of hate. <laughs> that was really venomous right there, Kendall Waston. But if I'm gonna go. Off the top of my head with a bad signing, if you're going to look at, like, I feel like it'd be pretty easy to pull a Timbers one because Timbers have had some stinker signings before, notably Chris Boyd. Not Van Rankin? That wasn't the first name that was screaming off the top of your head? I feel like I've just crapped on that guy enough. We're going to talk about him every week. 
So yeah, that's gonna that's gonna wrap things up. Yeah, we'll look forward to that next week. Jose Luis Van Rankin, come on the show. I think whatever minuscule chance that was of happening has already been burned after episode <laughs> one. So all right, we'll get Keegan Hughes on here instead then. Keegan Hughes, come on the show. So yeah, that's gonna wrap up episode four and episode five coming out next week. Thank you guys for watching.